Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. talk to you about something that everybody does. Doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Buddhist. Doesn't matter if you're 22 or 82. Rich, poor, black, white, everybody does this. Everybody worships something. Something or someone is going to be number one. It may be your career, a spouse, money, a musician, a celebrity. Listen, we're all wired to worship. All you gotta do is go to a concert and you'll see people raising their hands, swaying to the music, swooning over Bieber or Taylor Swift. Or turn on the sports games this weekend and you'll see crowds filling up the stadiums, wearing the team jerseys, painting their bodies up, hollering and shouting. And we call them fans. But if you get excited about Jesus, hold on a minute, they call you a fanatic. For some reason, we get all sophisticated and formal in our response to God. What I know is Taylor Swift, as nice as she may be, she's not gonna help you when you're in trouble. She'll probably just tell you to shake it off, right? Or your favorite sports teams, whether it's the Gators or the Seminoles, man, when you need some help, they're not gonna come through for you. But there is one that knows your name. And he says, child, you are mine. When you walk through the trials, I'm gonna be with you. When you go through the deep waters, you will not drown. There is one that hears every prayer that you pray, one that is with you no matter what you go through, and his name is Jesus. So if you're gonna shout out to anybody, it better be him, amen? Now, by the way, it's okay to cheer and get excited about your team winning the game, and it's okay to enjoy a concert. Just don't hold back when you come into the house of God, all right? There's a story in the book of Acts about the Apostle Paul and his friend Silas who are in this town in Philippi. And they're on their way to prayer and this slave girl who is possessed by a demon starts shouting at them in the marketplace. She says, these men are servants of the Most High God. Now, right from the beginning, a couple things jump out to me and we'll jump into the rest of the story in a second. Paul and Silas were on their way to prayer. Sometimes you can be doing the right things and still end up in a big mess. Right Now, sometimes we make poor choices and we end up paying for it, but there are times where you're doing everything right and you still find yourself in a battle. Lord, I'm going to church, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible. Why is this still happening to me? God, I started tithing and putting you first in my finances and I'm still facing this issue. Sometimes you can be doing all the right things and still face a battle. So these men, They run into this demon-possessed girl and she's shouting out, these men are servants of the Most High God. And she goes on to say, coming to show you the way to salvation. So it was obvious who they were. It was obvious that they were servants of God, which makes me ask the question, is our faith obvious to the people around us? Do the people at your work or at your school know that you are a servant of the Most High God, that you radically love and follow Jesus. They should, right? I mean, hell should know your name. There should be a wanted poster in hell with your picture on it, saying that guy or that girl, they are so radical for Jesus, we gotta take them out. 
Their faith was so evident that this girl followed them around day after day, pestering them. And Paul finally had enough. He turns, he casts the demon out of the girl. And you would think that would be a good thing. And it was for the girl, but not for the men that were making money off her. See, she was a a fortune teller and a fortune making machine for the men who owned her. So those men were angry at Paul and Silas, and it says that they dragged Paul and Silas into the town square, and it says this. They grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, and a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. And it says the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods, and they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. I think we read something like this and it's hard to put ourselves in their shoes. I mean, I've had a bad day before, running late for a meeting, had a flat tire, spilt coffee on my pants, or maybe I've been treated rudely by somebody, but I've never had a mob form against me. I've never been stripped and beaten and thrown into an inner prison like this. So if I'm Paul or Silas, I'm emotionally and physically and maybe even spiritually spent. They had to be a little bit upset, right? So they're chained in this prison and it says in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were griping and complaining about their circumstances. (laughs) No, 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 it doesn't say that. They They were moaning and groaning. No, it doesn't say that either. It says, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Now, it doesn't surprise us that they were praying. Most of us, when we get in the middle of a mess, what do we do? We, we pray, God, help us. God, get me out of this problem that I'm in. I mean, even if you don't pray a lot, you pray then. Even if you don't think you know how to pray, you pray. And isn't it great that God hears our prayers? The Bible says he's attentive to the cries of our heart for help. He knows every concern. But it's one thing to pray during the pain. It's another thing to praise during the pain, right? Like we know how to pray at midnight. We need to learn how to praise at midnight. It's easy to to praise when the sun's shining and everybody's good and healthy. It's not hard to shout praise God when all the bills are paid, but it takes faith to praise God when the day's been bad, when the situation looks hopeless, When you've been misunderstood or mistreated, man, it takes faith to sing praises to God for his power and provision when you haven't yet seen his power or provision come through in your life. So it goes on to say that that while they were praising God, they started praising God, and then it says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately were open and the chains fell off of every prisoner and the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself because he was responsible for what happened. But Paul shouted at him and said, stop, don't kill yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for the lights to be turned on and the dungeon fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and asked the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So I wanna talk to you for a minute about three important components of worship. What Paul and Silas did in this prison, they worshiped the purpose of worship, the power of worship, and the place of worship. The purpose of worship, the power of worship, and the place of worship. And these 
three insights about this thing that we call worship, I believe will give you a revelation about why your worship to God is so important. So let's start with the purpose of worship. Why do we do this? Why do we come together every week to have a worship service? Now, it's important to note that worship is more than just singing. Singing is a part of worship, but it's bigger than that. It's more than just the, the first 25 minutes of the week in service. It's not a warm-up for the word. It is, actually is the word. When you worship, you are actually declaring his word over your life and your situation. As we gather together in church, we sing, we pray, we give, we, we study the word. It's all worship. But there are a couple key things that this time does for us. First, worship reminds us of who Jesus is, that he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that his name is greater, more powerful than any other problem or situation that you can name, that in Jesus we find hope and strength and joy and peace, that he's our provider and our source. Everything that we possibly could ever need is found in him. So in worship, we remind ourselves of who he is, and that reminds us of what he can do. We remind ourselves of his power over our problems. We remind ourselves that when everything seems out of control, there is one that is completely in control. And worship actually forces our eyes off of our situation onto our Savior because you can't worship and worry at the same time. You can't be singing, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And be worrying if God is working and going to come through for you. You can't be singing that and singing the blues at the same time. Psalm 105 verse four says this, once you say it with me out loud, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Let me let you in on a secret. His face isn't down here somewhere, right? His face is up here, you gotta look up. It doesn't say look to the problem. It doesn't say look to the negative report of the stock market, dear Jesus, no. It says look to the Lord. See, worship changes where we're looking. Worship forces us to look up to God, to take our eyes off of the problem onto the promise of God. We stop focusing on what's wrong with us and we start focusing on what's right with God. Paul and Silas could have focused on their problems because they had some. They could have complained about their pain. God, all we were doing was helping this, this demon-possessed girl. God, we're here on this missionary journey and we're being beaten and thrown in jail, but they made the choice to rejoice in spite of their external circumstances. Let me tell you, that choice changed everything. See, worship is the way that we stay positive when everything around us is negative. And it's not a fairy tale, it's reality. That no matter how impossible something may look or feel, I know that nothing is impossible with my God. And let me remind you, when you open your mouth and praise your God, the Bible says that the enemy has to shut his. Remember Psalm 8 verse 2 says, from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and avenger. And that verse should encourage every one of us because it says from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained purposed praise. Think about it. Infants and children mean you don't have to be a spiritual giant. You don't have, have to walk with God for years and years to get this right. This is for every one of us, even the weakest among us. And then that verse tells us that God purposed praise. He ordained praise to silence the foe and avenger. So when we open our mouths and declare the greatness of our God, the mouth of your enemy has to shut 
The word silence in Hebrew is the same root word as Shabbat. You force the devil to take a Sabbath rest, a Shabbat. He cannot do his work while you are praising God. He literally has to shut up and listen to you. How great is that? There's purpose in praise. The second truth we see in this story is the power of praise. Notice that it was after they started praising, that's when things began to change. We have a tendency to praise God after he does something for us. Lord, you open up these prison doors, woo, I'm gonna praise you. You give me that job, that promotion, then Lord, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the glory. Then you give me that spouse, I'll be shouting in the house. You heal my child, then I'll praise you. But in this story, they praised first. They praised while they were still sitting in the chains and the doors were still bolted shut. They praised uh, when things weren't going the way they wanted. Here's why, and this is important, because praise shouldn't just be a byproduct of victory. Praise is the predecessor to victory. Praise will actually open the doors of your prison because when we praise, we actually invite the presence of God into our situation. Don't miss this, Psalm 22 verse three says, God inhabits the praises of his people. He literally dwells in our praises. So when your praise goes up, your God shows up. And when God shows up, something is gonna change because there's power in praise. For Paul and Silas, the, the prison then started to shake because God stepped into that space. Those chains might've been able to hold Paul and Silas, but they could not hold their God. And I don't know what prison you might be in today. It might be able to hold you down, but it cannot hold your God down. And notice this, notice it's, they started praising around midnight. Now that's significant because midnight is when the clock goes from p.m. to a.m., signifying the start of a new day. When the clock hits 12 a.m. and new morning has arrived. And I believe Paul and Silas would have known what David wrote in Psalm 30 when he said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Whatever happened the day before will only last through the night, but joy and peace and, and hope comes in the morning. You can rejoice because it's a new day. You can rejoice because your circumstances are about to change. And I believe God wanted me to tell somebody that your PM is switching over to AM, that your, that your night has become day. And it may still feel dark around you, but the sun is getting ready to rise over your situation. Whatever the enemy has locked up, I believe God is about to set free, but you have got to open your mouth, take your eyes off your problem and begin to praise your God because there's power in your praise. And the last point from this story, and this is really important, it's about the place of worship. Now, when you think about a place of worship, you don't think about a, a prison cell. You think about a church or maybe a place where you easily connect with God, like sitting at the beach, or maybe in the mornings when you're reading your Bible and having your time of prayer, but a, but a prison cell? After being beaten and mistreated? See, I believe the reason Paul and Silas worshiped in that place is because worship had a place in their life. Let me say that again. I don't want you to miss it. The reason they could worship in that place is because worship had its place in their everyday life. It was something they, they did a lot. So when trouble came, their response was, was to worship. When mistreatment came at them, their response was to turn to God, which makes me ask the question, does worship have a place in your life? Does it have a place? And this really falls into two areas. There's personal worship, and there's 
communal or corporate worship. What you do alone with God and what we do together as the family of God. And both are vital. In fact, they, they, they play off each other. Personal times of worship are important because my relationship with God is personal. I have a personal, intimate friendship with God. So I want to be with him. I want to talk to him. I want to listen to him. And God deserves my love and attention more than just once a week on a Sunday morning when we all get together. But all through the Bible, it tells us that alone isn't enough. The Bible talks a lot about how important that this time of worship is, what we're doing together. It teaches us to, to worship together, to sing, to, to pray for one another, to share communion, to, to study the word uh, together. And Jesus promised that when we do, that wherever two or more of you are gathered together in my name, he said, there I am with you. So if Jesus is here, as we gather together, why would we ever want to miss our time with Jesus? I mean, nothing that the world has to offer compares to the presence of Jesus. No amusement park, no sporting event, no, no, no concert sleep can't even compare with encountering the living God. Now, there are times when we come into worship on a weekend, and if I'm honest, I don't always feel like worshiping. Shocking, I know. Pastors are humans too, right? But Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, verse 12, he says, I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That means there will be times when my faith is weak, or maybe I've just had a really bad week, and I'll come here and your faith is going to strengthen my faith. Your love for God, your faith in God is actually going to help me look up to God. And there'll be times when you'll be feeling down. And somebody else's faith is actually going to strengthen you. But that can't happen if you're not here. There's a place of worship. All the things that God wants to do. He designed this place to be unlike any other place on the planet. A place where you are spiritually fed and nurtured and prayed over. And a place where you help care and nurture those that are younger in their faith. That all happens in a place of worship. Not some place of simply a religious expression or obligation, but a place of life where you encounter a living God and are filled with his spirit to live the life you've been created to. There's purpose in our worship today. There's power in our worship because God shows up. And this place, it's a place of worship. And today, I want us to take some time to worship. Now that we better understand what happens when we do, let me pray for us. And the teams are gonna take this time to lead us in worship, responding to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we pause today to express our gratitude for you, for all that you've done in our life, for the grace that you've demonstrated to us on the cross. We start there. We start with gratitude. We start by saying thank you. Thank you for all the grace and mercy that you've poured out on the cross for us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.